Welcome to the Book Squad Podcast. 94% bookish banter, 6% shenanigans. From Lawrence Public Librarians, Kate Bramlett and Polly Kim. Hey, Polly. What's up? <laughs> uh, so we're back in the Sound and Vision studio uh, at the library. Yeah, we are. And uh, Jim's walking around. Jim. He can't hear us uh, yet. Okay, he's so. on the other side of the glass today. I know. We're in a, a room surrounded by instruments. Mm-hmm. And there's a maraca, I think. That's yeah. very tempting right now. You might get a sweet drum solo <laughs> in the yeah. podcast That'd today. I wish. Wait for it. Yeah. Something might happen. Hang on. Okay. So, uh, welcome to the 11th episode of the Book Squad podcast. Welcome. Uh, yeah. We've uh, got some bookish news for you, um, and then two book minimum as usual. But after that, we've got something slightly different. We are not going to be doing She Said, She Said. Um, We are going to be doing a little discussion about historical fiction as a genre. Yeah. I thought that might be kind of fun. Yeah, because we're going to start trying to do this two times a month. Mm -hmm. And we thought... That's a lot. We'll yeah. We read a lot already. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to switch it up. We're going to maybe talk about anything. We're going to talk about genre sort of topic we or talk something. About yeah. Something in librarianship. Right. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows where it'll go? Freestyling. Mhm. That's what they call it, sort right? Of. Yeah. Ish. I, that's what the kids call it. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. So, um well before all that, so we got bookish news mm-hmm. and um the there are some award news. Mm-hmm. And Polly, you'd posted about uh, the National Book Award. Um, the YA long list was posted. I did. I did post about that because I'm super excited because actually I have a friend who is on the list. Oh, um, I know. And I have I've known her for I don't know. And I met Laurel, I guess maybe 15 years ago, maybe a little, maybe 14 years ago. And at the time, we were both doing other jobs, and she um, had, you know, she was a graduate of the um, Iowa Writers Workshop, oh, wow. and um, ha- had written some things, but um, you know, was working another job and really wanted to do writing. That's what she wanted to do, and to see her now, you know, fifteen years later, to have so That's she has so, so many published books. She writes a lot of. Um, Mid-grade and children's picture books. And, and so Orphan Island, which we talked about on the podcast, I don't know, a, cu- a couple ago. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's on the long list um, for the National Book Award. Is she I'm a Lawrence person then? No. Okay. She it lives in Atlanta. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, and when I met her, she lived in Iowa City. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Laurel Snyder. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm super proud, I feel like. That's awesome. And she's surrounded by such oh, amazing my gosh. company. Yeah, right next to her, in fact, is The Hate You Give, yeah. which we've also talked about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And that book is getting a ton of buzz. And and Evie's a Boy, American Street, which mm-hmm. I loved. Yeah. Um, I feel like we know stuff. I know. We're telling. And then uh, Jason Reynolds, I saw, I haven't read... Um, I haven't read any of his books yet, actually. But I did see him speak at a book riot uh, conference a couple of years ago, and yeah. um, he was he was wonderful. I heard that, and he's an incredible speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so poetry, the poetry list comes out today, but we are recording this too early in the day to have the poetry list available. Yeah, we checked. It's not out yet. No, maybe they're on um, Pacific time, yeah. I guess. Um, and then tomorrow... Or, Thursday nonfiction list will come out, and then Friday uh, the fiction list. Mm-hmm. So um, stay tuned on the National Book Award website for for all that information. Um, we've also got the Man Booker short list. We talked a little while ago about the long list, and uh, it has been shortened from mm-hmm. long to short. Uh, and there's uh, Paul Oster uh, four three two one. Have you ever read any Paul Oster? not i have not either i heard it's an experience it's a big one too it's Isn't a big it? mm-hmm. book uh i haven't read any of his stuff um and then history of wolves by emily fridland 
which we had heard about a couple of years ago at Book Expo. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, and then Exit West, uh, Mohsin Hamid, which you've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, El Met by uh, Fiona Mosley, which I have not actually even heard of. I know, actually, I had neither. They're cooler than us. And then uh, Lincoln and the Bardo by um, upcoming beach author George Saunders, who will be here. So we get a Man Booker Prize shortlist author coming to town. October 10th. October 10th. Put it on your calendar. And then Autumn by Allie Smith. Um, And Allie Smith um, is, okay, well, this is going to be called the podcast of things I have not read. Uh, But... (laughs) Allie Smith, though, she just won um, – was did she won the National Book Award a couple years ago for How to, to Be Both? How to Be Both, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And then she had so, another one about – was it In the Library? Uh, was the name of the book? Okay. I think I've shelved these, shelved mm-hmm. these things, but I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. But she's apparently really great if she's up for all these Obviously. prizes. Do we want to guess who we think the winner will be? Oh man! I think Exit West. I think Exit West. Is yeah, take I think it. like that is the most buzzed book that I've read, and I think it's. I mean, obviously these are all fabulous books, but that one, the really the storyline and like the magical realism parts and stuff like that, I think mm-hmm. are very captivating. So I don't know, Lincoln and the Murder was very good. It'll okay. probably be Elmet, which we've never heard of. Yes. Actually, so, surprise. My money is on something I've never heard of. <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll let you know as soon as we find out. Okay. Um, so next up, two book minimum. Yeah. What do you have, Polly? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why do I always have to go first? Uh, All right, I'll go first. So the, fir- the first book is um, Hunger, a memoir of my body by Roxane Gay, which came out this year. I feel a little subdued today. I'm talking about two little, I'm talking about two books that were just, they were a little hard. I think you had some hard books too. Uh, well, about this the, first one, yeah, it was. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. So, about some this is the books. intense. Okay, so Shoot. this is, um, this is actually, uh, I have not quite yet finished this book, because it's taking me a little while to get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's super – it's heartbreaking and it's really brutal and I think is really courageous. Um, but some people already know this about Roxane Gay because mm-hmm. she alluded to it mm-hmm. in um, Bad Feminist or she talked about it a little bit in Bad Feminist. But when she was um, 13, I think, she was gang raped mm-hmm. by um, a boy that she considered her boyfriend and his friends. And um, that was sort of the split in her life mm-hmm. from, you know, she considers it the before and the after. And um, she never told anybody that happened. And, but the way that she did start to take care of herself um, was to begin to eat and mm-hmm. to begin to, to try to grow herself as big as she could get um, to protect herself, oh, to be, geez, you know, yeah. to become – cushion herself um, to become invisible mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, so um, it's a, you know, it's a memoir, but a lot of them are, it's almost a little like, it's almost like essays as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she moves kind of back and forth and, um, you know, she's talking about, she talks about the event and, and what her family was like and what she was like before. Um, and then she also talks a lot about, you know, being black, um, mm-hmm. being big. I mean, she's, she's a, can't remember how tall she's very tall she's very tall Taller she's very yes yeah, she's a um she, you know and she calls herself fat um and so and also queer and so she's living all of these experiences and and talks about um you know in this in our culture that body is reviled and it's not accounted for and mm-hmm. um it's inconvenient um and you know i don't i'm not reading this as um I'm not reading this as a manifesto of I can be as big as I want and, you know, I don't think that she's she's not comfortable mm-hmm. really um, where she's at either. It's very – it's very raw. Like mm-hmm. it's a very yeah. – um, It's not supposed to make you feel comfortable. No. It's, it's very – it's a very raw book. Um, so I'm going slowly with it and I think I probably need to revisit it. But it's um, it's very good and I'm – so many women that I've talked to who've read it just have 
felt very moved by it and, yeah. and very impacted by it. And to be honest, I haven't really talked to any men who've read it. So um, if you're a man and you've read this book, yeah. um, or if you're whoever, I guess yeah. I shouldn't say if you're a man, if you're whoever you are and if you've read this book, please let us know because I'd like to, like to hear what you're thinking about it. Yeah. And so um, that's my first book. And the next book is My Absolute Darling by Gabriel Talent. And that came out uh, the end of last month, 29th yeah. of August. Um, oh, this all a really hard book. <laughs> Why am I reading it's the a, hardest things from right now? It's an emotional time. Yes, I'm, I'm just... Oh. And is Gabriel... Uh, is this a debut? It's, his, it's a debut book. Okay. So the story behind this book, too, which was I saw him speak at... Um, also, maybe it was a book expo for mm-hmm. that. I saw him speak, and he, um, he was just adorable. And I think he's like 25 or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he's a little older than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his first book, and he, um, he, he, got a, he got an email, I think, from or a call, and it was from Steve King. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he's like, what? And, you know, it was Stephen King um, who read his book and loved it and wanted wanted to – I don't remember how he got it. Stephen King just can get any book he He, wants. He can. I mean, maybe someone was like, I think you're going to like this. But apparently, you know, Steve Uh just doesn't blurb anything, you know. And and he loved this book and he wrote the blurb on the front of it. Um, which of course I don't have with me right now, but he um, sure it says this book is real good. Is the goodest, <laughs> the goodest book, book you'll ever read, Stephen King. Um, yeah, so he he just raved about it, and so um, so he told that story, and then he you know told another story. He was a very magnetic speaker as well. Nice. Um, but so he you know he talked a little bit about um, Turtle, who is the the heroine of, of his book. She's fourteen. She lives in this crumbling house. Um, she eats raw eggs for breakfast. It's not healthy. And she not just crack. She just gets up in the morning, cracks them into her mouth, as she's she guessed on shooting her dad. <laughs> no. Well, kind actually, she's tough. Um, okay. She's throwing her dad his morning beer. Mm. Um, she carries and cleans a handgun obsessively. Wow. Um, a Sig Sauer, I think is what it's called. Um, and she wanders the North Carol- uh, North California wilderness and beaches. Um, and, and during that, she's also trying to come to terms with um, loving her father, which is the only parent she knows, but who is also um, violently abusive mm-hmm. to her mm-hmm. um, mentally, physically, sexually. And, um, and, and he's barely holding on to his own sanity. So she's trying to deal with what she's supposed to do. Um, and so at... Um, she decides maybe she'll strike out um, after a particular incident. And she finds two friends in the wilderness, um, two people, I should say, in the wilderness who become her friends and um, has to lead them back to safety. And then she, at that point, starts to question whether the life she's been living is mm-hmm. normal wow. you know, or okay. And can it be different? Um, so anyway, he writes... Um, just beautifully, beautiful, beautiful descriptions of the natural world. And he, I think he, after college, he worked for like two years. He like leads tours and does things. And so he has a, a very um, an ecological bent. Okay. Um, and the weird thing about it is like it's a, it's a, you know, part of this book is a like a love story to the earth and taking care of the earth. But the weird thing is like the dad is um, – even though he's just a, a vile character, he's also, um, you know, convinced that I mean, he's not, he's making some good points about how we're ruining the earth and not taking care of it, and that's how it's like that's something he cares about, right? And so he's sort of a prepper, you know, he's uh-huh, like he's uh-huh. gotten himself away from the rest of the world. Yeah. So um, that's a it's interesting when a character that is just horrible also like makes some actually yeah. lucid points too and you're like mm, well okay. it's a rich tapestry it is a rich tapestry <laughs> oh goodness it's our new tagline yep. um so anyway um that sounds really it i want to read that it's now. amazing so there are some really um there's some difficult depictions of the mindset of um 
a young girl who's gone through mm-hmm. uh, some horrible trauma. There's scenes of rape and violence. Um, but there's also some really incredible, like, strength and resilience in in this book. And so, yeah. I Is would... that a spoiler if I ask is it the friends that she finds? They're humans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are they, yeah. like, young also? Yeah, they're they... two um, boys that go to the high school. She's in middle school, and they're two boys that go to the high school. And she has to sort of save them? Uh-huh. Because they're... Doofuses that okay, sure. doofy, just doofy. Is that it's the plural? Um, yeah, and so they they decide they're gonna have an adventure, but you know, oh my she's, god, and then she but she actually knows, yeah, because she yeah. knows what she's actually doing, and she's kind of, yeah, they're and they're just in awe of like cool. how skilled she is, but uh-huh. they don't really understand like that. Why would she have those particular skills? Uh-huh. And why you know? Why would she be skills. packing you know right. in middle school and? Um, those kinds of things um, wow, when it comes sounds... starts to come clear and you sort of and you intersect with a teacher too who is trying to um, who can tell that uh-huh. something is not right mm-hmm. um, but is sort of hamstrung in how they can yeah. deal with it too so um, I don't know I thought it was that sounds really good it was very good and again it was just I mean if if you like if you like beautiful language mm-hmm. like it's um, you're, you're like you're there, you know, when you're reading it. This, the setting is really immersive. So she's reminding me of. Did, did you, you read Winter's Bone? I don't know. Right? I, did read, I watched it. Was them. A, yeah. I watched them. Well, I've heard that's very good too. <laughs> uh, but she kind of is reminding me of Re Dolly. I guess. I guess maybe any, maybe any like woodland uh, strong young woman would yeah. remind me of Re Dolly. But um, yeah, no. She's very. Um, She's very much like that. Cool. She, yeah. So, but cool. she's also very. Um, she's younger. She's fourteen, mm-hmm. and she's you know she's internalized a lot of misogyny mm-hmm. um, that she has to work on. Interesting. Um, so it's it's disturbing too. Yeah. It's disturbing, but yeah. So there's my two like hard reads, yeah. but good reads. Well, I'm going to start with something that's not pleasant either. No. Um, right. So <laughs> On Dying is a memoir by Corey Taylor. Uh, just came out um, this summer. Uh, it's intense. It's mm. uh, So Corey Taylor was um, diagnosed with, uh, with cancer about 12 or so years ago. Um, I think it was early, mid-2000s. And um, she has had... Like you know, those the decade plus of of um, treatments and uh, things just kind of getting worse and spreading. Um, and she decides to use. She gets like in real life. It's all real life, obviously. Um, in the last like few months of her life, she gets this like burst of creativity, and she um, she's a novelist, but she wants to write a memoir of what it feels like to die. Um, and, uh, it's, it's short and it's pretty sparse. Um, but it's, it's really gorgeous and it's, it's not, uh, I mean, it's not a comforting read. It's someone, how old was she? She was 60, I think maybe. Um, Mm. and she died, I think is is in Australia, and I think the book came out maybe last year in Australia, and she died just maybe um, a couple months before, or after the book came out in Australia, which was a year ago. Um, but she was able to kind of do her final task the way she wanted to, which I think is really um, beautiful and inspiring. Um, and she talks about her family that she's leaving behind, and and um, and about her parents who who passed away and who went through uh, some dementia before they died. And so she's kind of also sort of thankful that she's dying while she still has her mind, mm-hmm. since as a writer, that's kind of the most important thing to her at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's beautiful. It's uh, similar to and different from being mortal. Um, it addresses kind of what it means to die sort of on your own terms and not have to die hooked up to machines or being kept alive for longer than you want. You know, she talks about um, filling out a DNR and uh, do not resuscitate mm-hmm. order um, and being able to die in her own home and, and do palliative care. And she's in Australia. She's in Australia. What are the laws in Australia about terminating your own life? Oh, you? Yeah, that is, and that is where um, – that's where the book starts is, is her saying that she had procured a um, 
uh, for lack of a better term, like a suicide drug, I guess, mm. um, in China online. Uh, and she has it uh, in her sort of bedside table, basically, um, in case she needs it. But it's illegal in Australia. Um, and so if she did it, it's also illegal to be to know someone's about to use that drug or to be in the room mm-hmm. with them or anything. You could be implicated. So if she if she did that, she would have to not let her family she be involved at all. Alone. Yeah, absolutely alone. Yeah. That's the saddest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, the way it's different from being mortal, though, is that it's much more personal because it's, you know, first person narrative and... Uh, not really going into um, like the medical aspects and things, so right. it's just it's a very emotional, meditative book. Um, she's like, a, what good companion piece. Maybe, I would say to read yeah. together. Yeah, okay. and I didn't read When Breath Becomes Air, but I'm assuming it's similar to this, yeah. but also still more medical. Um, I would say yeah. I mean, I think When Breath Becomes Air because he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has so, that whole insight. Right. Yeah. And so there's that. There's a big piece of that in addition to, you right. know, it is just, it's about. So, I mean, those, the, all those together. All those be together. together. Yeah. Oh, you have like the most depressing book club ever. Oh, yeah. But she's also, she's got dark humor. I mean, and she, she describing her childhood and, and describing her current situation, she's, um, I don't want to say self-deprecating, but she does see dark humor in, in her life mm-hmm. and in her death. And so... There's kind of parts where you're chuckling and like it's a you know it's a sad chuckle, but right. um, yeah, it was and it was a very fast read. Um, and I wouldn't say I like I enjoyed the book, but right. I am very glad that I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my second one uh, is a different one that I don't think I enjoyed necessarily, <laughs> but for totally different reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the dinner by Herman Koch, and it was written um, in 2009 originally, and then translated into English in 2013. Uh, you told me about it. Mm. Um, yes, Apple I Close did. Feed Dating. Um, <laughs> and you just hated it. <laughs> I mean, I two did. years later, two years later, you're like, I am still so angry I about know. this. I hate, I hated it. But I hated it in the way that I was like, you got to read this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, this tastes yeah. disgusting. You have to try it. <laughs> yes. I did not. I mean, because it's like the most disgusting thing you ever yeah. tasted. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I hated this. And, but, yeah, you know, I'm done I mean, I'm yeah, like you actively hate it and want to talk about how much you hate it. Like, yep. you hate, love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how I feel. Um, so the dinner, as the title suggests, it, it takes place over one particular dinner in this very fancy upscale restaurant in the – in are they? Yeah, some, some. Is it the Netherlands? Yeah, there's there ish. They're there. Yes, and uh, I was so angry I couldn't remember where they were. I know, and it's a big part of the novel, and I just <laughs> I don't. I was just like, whatever, mm-hmm. anger. Um, but the the book is broken up into the way a fancy dinner would be laid out, like in, in courses. Um, so you know, the aperitif uh, mm-hmm. is the beginning, and that sort of sets up the story, and it's lighter, you know, and and set, wetting your appetite for the rest. Um, and it, it builds up, um, and that and I thought that was a really interesting framework. Uh, and then it's interspliced with um, with uh, flashbacks and things like that to kind of tell the backstory because there's this horrible event that happens, and you don't really find out what the event is until later on. Um, and these four parents are trying to deal with um, this horrible event, dealing with their kids, and and they don't know uh, how they're going to go. Uh, forward. I really I don't want to get into any other plot details no, um, because it's I part of the yeah it's part of the good part of the book. I know is it's just one of those ones where watching things on unfurl. Unfur- yeah, um, I I feel like I want to stop reading the back of books and just I because mm-hmm. I knew that I knew one detail from the back of the book and I was like oh man it would have kept the mystery alive longer if I didn't know that. Uh, but um, I hated everyone, and uh, but I really enjoyed hating them. <laughs> I was happily angry. Um, and my book club, the third Thursday book club, um, we had a really, really good heated discussion about uh, their absolute horribleness and um, and like which person was the worst and which action was the worst and and also like how it could have been even worse. And we were kind of speculating some <laughs> some other things. So. Um, I would really recommend it if your book club likes to get kind of rowdy. Um, yeah. And also, if there's like wine involved, like mine, it becomes uh, yeah. 
kind of a hilarious discussion. I know. I, I agree. I mean, well, obviously I picked it for book club speed dating, mm. but I just agree that um, there are some books that really uh, lend themselves to great discussions. Yes. Yeah. Even I mean, if, yeah, books are so weird. Books and book clubs are so strange because loving a book does not mean that you will have a good book club discussion. No, it you know, doesn't. because no. you, you're right. I love it. You love it. Where else do you go from there? You uh-huh. know, and so h- hating or hate loving a book uh-huh. um, can be extremely fascinating. So yeah. I'm glad. I'm really glad we read it. Um, but th- so that was two book minimum featuring hunger, my absolute darling, on dying and the dinner. Well, so this is our this is our inaugural. Um, you know. See, see, let's try something different. We need a catchy name for... No, we don't. We don't have a catchy name for this. No, we don't have a catchy name for this. We're not going to. (laughs) It's that that segment. So um, instead of, you know, doing She Said, She Said, we're going to have a chat about a specific genre this time, and um, we're going to talk about historical fiction. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know how we picked historical... I think we were... I think we threw it out. We were like, what a historical fiction, and then we just rolled with it. And then we just rolled with it. But it's a... I think it's actually a good one to start with because it's... A really, it's a big genre. Mm-hmm. And the um, definition is sort of up for debate. Yeah. So let's talk about the definition. So what's the definition? So, well, one definition is, see, I thought it was like 50 years. Mm-hmm. Like antiques. Yeah, like antiques, mm-hmm. exactly. Like I think that 50 years is just kind of like the baseline. Right. But um, we read that one definition uh, says that it's set at least a generation, which is only 25. Five years mm-hmm. prior to when it's written. Right. And then we've also seen the definition that the book has to be set before the author's lifetime and experience. Mm-hmm. So that would so that could that would make it variable based depending on, on the age of the author. Yeah, the yeah. age of the author. But what about the age of the reader? Right. Like what if your author's 25 and your reader's 80? Yeah, because they could be writing about the 50s mm-hmm. or the 70s. Yeah, I guess. Oh my God, they'd be writing about the eighties, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. and then that's twenty five years. Yeah, and then the reader is like, "What? This was yesterday. What are you talking about?" So historical fiction, yeah, it really historical fiction is the in the eye of the reader. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, but I think I mean the other thing is that it does have to it does have to sort of be said in the past, and it has to um, you know involve. I think that aspect of it that there's, it's not a contemporary, right. it's not a contemporary read, and like the author is drawing upon research and not just I lived through this time and so I'm telling the tale. I think that right. that's also important. Typically, yes, I yeah. think that's an important thing. Um, but then, but some books that have that were contemporary mm-hmm. that were written as contemporaries are now historical, fiction, right? Right. Two readers now? I don't mm. know. This mm. is the, this is a, we're supposed to know this. This is the rich tapestry. This, <laughs> that's what we're going to take away our librarian cards. <laughs> it's all up for discussion, mm-hmm. which is the nice thing about it. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, I think there's the baseline is past. You know, it's written in the past, at least 25 years, right. could be longer. Yeah. Um, and we're going to actually kind of go through. Some different, different examples, different so examples of that. Things, yeah, um, but I, you know, like you said, it needs to be. It should be well researched. Mm-hmm. In fact, and that's something we can discuss too. Like that mm-hmm. can be a turnoff for people if a book is not researched, is not well researched. I got some examples. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, or if a book tries to do something a little different, which we can talk about, um, maybe a little more slow paced, um, takes place over a longer period, and then. Um, and, and it's slow-paced so that you can really absorb the details. Mm-hmm. You want to really absorb the details of the time the period. setting and the time period. Yeah. Um, so, and you can, you know, this gives the reader some opportunity to kind of compare historic eras and past events and present events. And sometimes historical fiction goes mm-hmm. back and forth a little bit. Um, so, um, and then you made a note about female characters in historical fiction. There, I mean, it's, well... It seems like they're written more with more fierce independence than maybe they would have been allowed then. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, we talked about that a little. Bit. Like you had said, who knows what all these women were actually yeah. like? 
I mean, I guess that's what makes the story, right? I mean, right. that's why somebody's writing the story is it's, you know, tells something that you might not have known about mm-hmm. that particular time period. So, but that does, for some people, that does cause them to feel, you know, to like maybe feel authentic. disconnected, right. that it's not authentic. Right. Um, but I don't want to read about, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think... I, I would be looking for more, like I could suspend belief a little bit and would be looking for more of a, a, a badass. Oh, there we go again. <laughs> perhaps would be allowed in that time. Yeah. Uh, mm. Or someone like yeah, thwarting no. the system. Or, you I know. like that. Yeah. I mean, the, the historical fiction that I tend to like, um, to, for me, the stuff that I tend to like sort of shine – I like I like it to shine a light on the pieces of history that I didn't learn in yes. history class. Yes. So so basically not the rich white men. I mean I yeah Sorry. I just I mean I don't mind if they're there but um, <laughs> they can historical be there. fiction in which there are no rich white men. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean I guess like not in existence. Yeah. And when I was sort of researching this you know to talk about it today, I realized that I what I really um, what I like is sort of the the eyewitness to history kind of okay. things. Like I don't, I don't want to read the story necessarily. Mm-hmm. Lincoln and the Bardo is a little different, but I don't really want to read it from the perspective of a famous person. Okay, right. Um, I I don't. I, and is that? I think. Um, I like to. You I just like, want to be like a com- among the people. <laughs> yes, like I am now. I right. mean, I want to yeah. be essentially who I am now. But we'll you know, just an yeah. eyewitness, and I don't mind if they like rub shoulders mm-hmm. in some way. That happens in some of the books I like, where they have mm-hmm. they kind intersect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess I'm finding that to be the thing that I like is um, is when I read a historical fiction novel, I want it to be, um, I wanted to highlight something that I just did not know about or think about, or maybe I had a little thought about it, but it mm-hmm. wasn't, um, I want to immerse myself in that experience about what that's like. Right. And I don't remember if I mentioned this book on here before, but this, uh, The Birth House by Amy McKay, mm-hmm. um, that is a great example to me of that, um, of that aspect of historical fiction, um, it's not based on a, on a on a famous person or anything, but it's talking about um, women's um, like w- women who are midwives and who are healers, and and that is fascinating to me. And that is an aspect of history that's mm-hmm. usually just I mean completely skipped over in history books because they don't see it as important, I guess. Right. Um, and so I would learn about, you know, birthing methods and, you know, healing methods and things like that that I would not have known about and, and learn about, like, women's actual roles in that um, in that society in a, yeah. way that, in a way that I wouldn't have. No, yeah, that's important to me. I think I like that. And I think the – I think I like, too, um, the novels. And we're going to talk about this. We went to novelist and, and looked up – some of these sub-genres of that mm-hmm. genre. Um, but I really like it, too, when people are um, living through a particular thing. Like, so the I think novelist called it um, troubled times or okay. something like uh-huh. that. But I find I'm really fascinated by how just regular, everyday people dealt with a big thing. Like, so in um, Year of Wonder right. that we talked about. So I really liked that book, but I think I liked it because it showed me what life might be like during something like the plague. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but not from like a powerful position, just no. from a you or me position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because there's just stuff, I mean, I, okay, so we talked about this. I like to read a lot of romance. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot, and maybe we might have mentioned this, I think a lot about, how stinky everybody must have been, yes. and like well, like in that unmentionables book that you had yes. talked about, yeah, where they're living in Victorian, uh-huh. yeah. So yeah. I think a lot about people's like oral hygiene and all of and the kissing that happens, and yes, and <laughs> we'll just keep it PG. But yeah. like, I'm always thinking about 
how clean were oh, you? Oh, my. And not at all. Apparently, this is a thing I think about a lot. So I, I kind of like it when books talk about you know I like that like, little oh, everyday aspect of so like ripe. <laughs> right or like what do you do with the chamber pot or but not like, in a not in a room how do you store your food of passion, no right? mm, I don't want that I don't okay want that. no that's a little too much right. yeah, yeah. verisimilitude yeah. <laughs> no I don't want to go there but yeah the but it, I can't tell you very it, mundane every day yeah and it does cross my mind so I do mm-hmm. I think about like where did people how did you store your food? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't just go to your cabinet no. and get your food out. No. I mean, there's no fridge. No, especially when you're traveling around places and you got to keep in your horse, your saddlebag. Right. Like, what well, kind you got of a food? Lot of, uh, jerky. Jerky. <laughs> Corn cakes. And, and scones or whatnot. <laughs> yes, and croissants. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what scones. You know, my husband calls scones. Uh, Pastries for people who don't like to be happy. <laughs> I know. I'm not a big scone fan. Biscuits. I think they probably had a little yeah, biscuits and like potted meats. Mm-hmm. What's a, I don't know what a potted meat is. I don't know. It's a meat in a pot. <laughs> it seems like you can't have a pot Some sort it. of cured things. Obviously, anyway, that's need what they to read more historical. Wow, maybe I should read a microfiction or microhistory mm-hmm. about, about, about potted meats. About, <laughs> yes. About we, food preservation. We might, might have one. Might maybe have I would one. stop eating things past their expiration date if I... Actually, no, I don't think you're ever going to stop no. doing that. Can't stop, stop. No, can't stop. Can't stop. I've made it this far. <laughs> anyway, oh goodness. Well, so let's uh, talk about let's talk about some of these subgenres. Well, here's a question okay. for you. So I don't recall offhand whether Year of Wonders was written in first person or third person, but I think that my preference is first person. I think it was. Or else it was third in a way that was written so well that it felt first. Is that called close third? It was extremely, it was very intimate Um, third. But do you have a preference on, because to me that that helps Mm -hmm. me get into a time or place that is not my time and place is is to do first person. And I like a lot of the internal uh, monologue and a lot of the... The observations and you things. Know, I don't know that I have a preference on that. Like, I think it really depends on the skill mm-hmm. of the author to me. So I don't necessarily have to have it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. No, I, I don't necessarily. Because sometimes, sometimes first person takes me out of it a little bit. If you can't get into their particular head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it just depends. Depends. Yeah. Okay. Well, some. What, so, what are some of these categories that novelists gave us? Um, so, novelists, and let's let's do a quick talk about novelists real fast. So, if you don't know what novelist is, if you um, your library might have it. Mm-hmm. So, if you are a Lawrence listener, your library definitely has it, and you just need your library card. Yep. If you're in the library, you just using our computers. You can on, just right. In, but it's um, a, on our website from in. Um, in books and more. Books and more. And then, you can find it. You can also find it down at the footer, I think. Um, and it's um, a great website. It's curated by librarians, people who've been librarians. And um, it's a great place to um, f- find read-alikes, mm-hmm. find new stuff that's coming out, mm-hmm. um, find things that have a very particular appeal factor. We yeah. should talk about appeal factor next time yeah. we do this. But books that have a particular appeal factor. So, you know, if you like... Um, you know, like books set in England, mm-hmm. you know, you can look specifically for books set in England. Yeah. If you like books, you know, set in marshes, you know, you could look for <laughs> I do really enjoy a good marsh book. You could. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You could look. I don't know where that came but from. Like, but, like, I mean, drill. you can drill down mm-hmm. historical fiction into, mm-hmm. you know, biblical yeah. fiction yeah. or... Right. So you, yeah, they specifically had some... Lists already made. So, yeah, they, they had biblical fiction, just classic historical fiction, um, Dear Diary, um, Family Sagas. People um, really love Family Sagas, it seems like. Or or that is a that is a keyword that people, you know, like they really want a saga. They yeah. Really want. If you want, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I think that if you look at historical fiction, it doesn't have to be, but there are a, there's a subset of those, mm-hmm. you know, like that, um, it's Edward Rutherford, right? Uh-huh. Are we, it's, why am I, yeah, Edward yeah. Rutherford. He's the one who Harris writes all that. Yes, Harris, and he York. writes um, 
yeah, he writes all of those like humongous books. Mm-hmm. Um, who else writes those huge? Well, the Lena oh, Philippa Tad- Gregory ones. Oh, some yeah, of them are exactly. huge. Some of them aren't. Right. Yeah. Uh, Lolita Tademi, I, oh, I hope that's how you said her name. Yeah. Uh, but she wrote Cane River, which is a pretty sizable book. And it is, but I couldn't put it down. I know. I it loved was it. Like, oh. And that brings up – it was a feature of this book that made me really enjoy it is um, – well, two features. One, she was using her own uh, family history, parts of her own family history. Um, her ancestors were slaves, and uh, and so she was – kind of piecing together their stories um, into this larger narrative. And uh, and so that was really beautiful. It made it very personal to read. And um, and it kind of connected it, you know, to current times. Uh, but also, I love a good family tree in the beginning of a book. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what those too. that's what those often have. Maps, maps and family trees. Yeah. Cause I and I would like and I, I like to bookmark the family tree and then I'll just whoop, 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 mm-hmm. go back and then look. Yeah. Especially I mean, I think to me that's especially important if the book is if it's not just like here's a time period and I'm gonna throw you know, mm-hmm. I'm mostly researching the time period or the event mm-hmm. and then I'm putting pe- characters in there to live it. And I do it's when they're job. yeah, I don't I like that all right. But mm-hmm. but if it's, you know, here's an actual real person this is a family in the this or an actual real from. family, mm-hmm. like y- you better have done your research. To yeah. me. Yeah. Like I, I would I would feel I feel cheated if I if it wasn't well researched. Right. Probably because I would then go around and be like, did you know blah, blah, blah? <laughs> and yeah. then someone would be like, That's you read that not, in a fiction yeah, book. Yeah, that is not true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, I don't, don't want to be caught out like that. No. So. No. So, Authors. No. Help us. Uh, well, so when you had mentioned how sometimes it's based on a, on a true person, mm-hmm. that can cause a lot of drama. I've, that's caused some discussions in my book clubs um, about people who know – Bi- uh, bi- biographical details about that person and then read a, to them, a lackluster historical fiction perspective. Mm. I got two in mind. One, um, Z, a novel of Zelda Fitzgerald by something Fowler. Mm. Fowler is the last name. <laughs> Teresa Fowler, yes. <laughs> uh, so it's about Zelda Fitzgerald, um, who, to be honest, I didn't really care much about. Uh, and so I didn't really get into the book. I know, sorry. Well, mm. I think it's just... I don't know if that's a time period that I'm really, really drawn to. Jazz age. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, or maybe just white people in the jazz age. Anyway. I won't make any recommendations for you about About jazz age. I know. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were a lot of inconsistencies, and I don't remember specific details, but between uh, people who had actually read, like, biographies of Zelda and the the stuff that was put in the novel – and that really riled people up in it, and they it just turned off their enjoyment of the book. Interesting. Because they can no longer suspend. Like, they were just like, nope, that's not true, and therefore nothing is true, and I don't think I want this anymore. Oh, so, yeah. I can see how that can happen. I mean, I, I think that you, you've got to decide about what you want out of the experience mm-hmm. before you go into it. And how much you can suspend belief. And mm-hmm. Yeah, and do you, do you want to learn, or do you want a good story, and how much, what's the percentage of each right. thing? Right, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for a story, it doesn't really matter, right? right. Yeah. Same thing happened with um, Circling the Sun, um, mm. by Bar- about Beryl Markham uh-huh. is that there were several inconsistencies between that and then like people um, who'd read. So mm-hmm. I wonder if these are also the people, you know, we we did discuss too, like there are people for whom they they like to read a historical fiction novel, but then they like to then immerse themselves and mm-hmm. then read a bunch of companion pieces non-fiction. Um, of nonfiction about that person or about that time period or about things that existed mm-hmm. during that time period. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know that that person might really particularly need that. Yeah, I feel very strongly to about be. That. Yeah, need it to be very well researched and very on, on the nose. Um, I was thinking of some. You could give some suggestions of some of the things that novelist um, talked about. Like I was a very, I was I was interested in. So let's say they they broke it down like African American historical fiction. Um, Homegoing, just mm-hmm. um, that I have a question for about uh-huh. is that so that goes from like the 1700s to sometime in the late 20th century, 
So what percentage of a book has to be historical or has to follow that like historical so many years before a guideline for it to be called historical fiction? Maybe half. Halfsies. I don't know. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to say half. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but it's <laughs> I'm going to say half. That one is like it's I they put a novels put it in there. I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Keep going. No, that's okay. Um, <laughs> biblical fiction, which I thought was interesting. Um, so that gave us an opportunity to talk about The Red Tent. I love we, The Red oh, Tent. We love Aww. The Red Tent. We love that book. Um, and Cain by Jose Saramago. That sounded really interesting. I never read it. Um, so, yeah. No, I I mean, I was like, oh, I might read, I might read that book. Mm-hmm. So, and I liked that um, the biblical fiction isn't necessarily also inspirational right. fiction. Mm-hmm. It's, you know... Um, it can be, but it's not necessarily. Um, classic historical fiction, so, you know, something like Roots by Alex Haley or The Other Boleyn Girl by Philippa Gregory. I mean, mm-hmm. pretty much Philippa Gregory could be in, like, yeah, know, 50 of these categories. Yeah. She writes a ton of historical fiction. Um, Dear Diary, so things that are written in the form of, you know, diary entries and or, you know, some letters. Um, so um, Bright Edge of the World by... Um, Eowyn Ivy, mm-hmm. and then uh, Letters from Sky, Jessica Brockmole is one that they talked about. Um, let's see. What are some ones out of that I really liked, too? Um, Family Sagas. This one looked really interesting. Before We Visit the Goddess by Chitra Banerjee Divakaruni. Mm-hmm. Oh, I played, I'm sorry, Chitra. No, I care. hope I, I did not. I know. Um, that one looked really amazing. It was like the ge- three um, three generations of Indian women. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I kind of have to put that on my to-read list. Um, historical women. So it was interesting because that one, I was like, that could be pretty much that could any, be a lot any of things, novels. Yeah. yeah, but Jam on the Vine, LaShonda K. Barnett. Who's um, a KC author. And it takes, pl- or it takes oh, place in Kansas City. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have another one, too. Oh, Victorian era, they suggested The Yard by Alex Grecian, who's local. Oh, really? He's in Topeka. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And Mayhem by Sarah Pinborough, who didn't... What? Yeah, what's the other... What's her recent one? Why well, Sarah Pinborough wrote... Is that the same one? Who I wrote, believe that um, it is. Yeah, the recent oh, one. Behind Her, behind her Eyes. eyes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was, which was a weird book. And yeah. then I read another one by her that's not historical fiction. Well, Mayhem looks... Mayhem looks Is weird. it like... It's like murder. It's like Let me tell you, all these Victorian, Victorian era. They're Victorian is like, like when it was so buttoned city. up, right? Mm-hmm. When you get all buttoned up like that, the crazy's got to come out. <laughs> exactly, so, you start killing people. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff to read about <laughs> in the Victorian era. Um, Troubled Times, which I I think I would like all of mm-hmm. those books probably. So they suggested like the Dove Keepers by Alice Hoffman and the Sympathizers by Viet Thanh. Than win, mm-hmm. and now I think that one just won an award or something. Yes, uh, and then he has another one that just came out too. Mm-hmm. Heard a very good thing, like the Holocaust. Um, but you might read something like Mischling, which uh-huh. I've talked about. I don't think I've talked about it on here, but Mischling by Affinity Konar. Um, uh-huh. That I loved that book because it wasn't it wasn't just your typical Holocaust read. It was um, about the the twin experiments. Um, and so you're you're reading about um, two girls, two twins, mm-hmm. and um, that particular you're seeing it from that angle, which is just a little different. There's a lot of Holocaust fiction out there. Um, anything looks look really good to you that you might? Well, read? so the they call it the blue and the gray. That's what the mm-hmm. Civil War one is. Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, Nevermore by Laird Hunt. I read uh, several years ago, and that is uh, that was really interesting about um, a young woman who dresses up as a man to fight uh, in the Civil War. And so, and that's another example of like things that actually did happen, mm-hmm. uh, If maybe if not this protagonist was not a real person, but uh, things that actually did happen that are totally skipped in history books um, and then expanded upon um, in novel form, which I really, I really enjoy. Um, well, a thing that I don't care about at all, though, but which is an example, is uh, presidential portraits. I think it's not, <laughs> it's not in my... I don't care about it's it. It's not in my wind, wind, wind house or <laughs> wheel mill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we just... But I do. <laughs> trademarked. Exactly. <laughs> Making up words. I like more than presidential portraits. Mm. Um, but that is, I mean, yeah, historical figures uh, that are well-researched and are in our history books... Um, 
but that are kind of expounded upon in in historical fiction mm-hmm. is very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, immigrant experiences I really do enjoy. Um, Show Me a Mountain by Carrie Young, which I have not read, and then The Boston Girl by Anita Diamond, who also wrote The Red Tent. She's just generally awesome. Um, yes, she is. The Boston Girl, though, I really, I really liked, and that was another um, first person. Um, so speaking of the Victorian, mm-hmm. uh, all the, the bad things, um, we were talking about uh, like gas lamp fantasy and steampunk mm-hmm. and are, I mean, in a way those are sort of historical fiction. Yeah. In well, a weird genre, genre blending sort of yeah, way. Yeah, because they're typically set in, I mean, Victorian England is a like a time yeah. that, that is often explored. So, um, but then yeah, I would say that, but then they also have these other, well, and, I mean, that's a, you know, that's genre blending is a thing, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, well, like Outlander, which you yeah, love. Yeah. So maybe we should, we could talk about that a little bit. Um, so like, I, I mean, I love Outlander and the thing I love about it is that, um, it's that, t- well, it's Jamie. Mm. I love Jamie, but um, and Jamie and Claire. But um, the thing I I love about it too is that I I felt like um, the details were so rich when I was reading it that mm. I was there. But it's definitely genre blending because it's like if you picked it, if you took out the time travel, mm-hmm. you know, which some people hate about it and some people right, love about right. it. Um, but if you take the time travel out, it is a it's really well-researched, and she mm-hmm. really, you know, talks a lot about, um, you know, the Jacobite uprising and the, you know, politics of <clears throat> England and Scotland at that time. <clears throat> and where me. does she um, – um, wh- where is the time traveling taking place before and to? So 1946 uh-huh. um, is where they start, and then it, she goes back to 17 – ish. seventeen forty. Three or something. Well, two hundred years. That's actually okay. like a piece of a piece. All of the a piece of the book is it. She references how all of the like little myths and stories mm-hmm. in the Highlands, because it's a very superstitious area, talks about how um, you've they've lost two hundred years. You mm. know, like suddenly two hundred years were gone. They were gone with the fairies two hundred years, and so. Um, you know, that's how she yeah. weaves in that's this, really interesting. that this time travel, like maybe those stories exist because there is such a thing as people that's who neat. can fall through the standing stones. And so those stories exist because it is happening. It is real, you know. And the only way to explain it is that you were gone with the fairies right. or, you know, something like that. So, um, yeah, anyways, it's a it's definitely genre blending, but mm-hmm. I have no problem calling that also historical fiction because it's – so and and you know and she, that's a saga and it follows mm-hmm. you know through, through there they come to America you know the Revolutionary War is happening um, so it's you're lot. you are it's all I mean it's whatever is it nine books now eight books and they're so all they're billions of pages yeah they're they're really big and so you're really getting a lot of details but you get detail the day to day details of mm-hmm. like how medicine works mm-hmm. then and how medicine works in the 1940s, mm-hmm. you know, and how medicine then works in the 60s. And um, Well, I – and I have not – I have not read or watched Outlander. Um, but – I forgive you. Oh, thank you. A different time traveling, though, one, which is it's just interesting because this one I don't really count as historical fiction. Uh, but Kindred by Octavia Butler um, – this is built in sci-fi or shelved in sci-fi and uh, because it is the, the time traveling, the feeling of the traveling back and forth is um, is kind of focused on. Uh, but she's going from the 1970s um, to the antebellum, to antebellum Maryland, I believe. And, uh, and that's, I think maybe because the focus is on how she goes back in time to save a f- family member of hers mm-hmm. to be able to uh, make it so that she was born in the future. She I guess could exist. Sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, like, that is the sci-fi element of the time travel. That kind of happens in Outlander, too. It would have to, because yeah. if you mess up anything in the past, yeah. it's going to mess up the, something in the, the space-time the continuum. The space-time continuum, absolutely. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yep. But I really, I did also enjoy kind of the... Um, the historical, the research that went into it. And uh, I don't even know what percentage of the book it takes place 
historical versus in the 70s. But um, but yeah, that's that's an interesting one that has similar elements, but to me is not yeah. usually called historical fiction. So, you know, I think what we should say about this is that if you if you like historical fiction, there's a lot out there to mm-hmm. like. And if you think that you don't, think you there don't. might be something. There out might there. be something out there. So there's, um, you know, there's historical graphic novels. Mm-hmm. So like March, um, the March trilogy. Yeah, um, John Lewis, Persepolis by Marjane Sartrapi, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, and a lot of there's, you know, there's some good, I think, graphic novels that are being made right now that yeah people don't. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't read comics, and you're like, no, 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 get over there and look through because I think it's not all superheroes, mm-hmm. it's not all, which there's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. but um, it's not a all lot of like that. novel adaptations. Yeah, things, there are yeah, yeah novel adaptations. Um, also, and, some really good historical fiction YA. Yeah. Oh, there's amazing historical fiction YA. So if you haven't read Codename Verity, mm-hmm. get on. I know that there's a lot of World War II historical fiction, and some people are a little tired of that, but that book was. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Do you have some favorites? Um, yeah, Out of Darkness. Um, Perez is the author's last name. I can't remember the first name, but um, that is um, this really it's extremely emotional and brutal um, interracial love story between these two young um, kids. And uh, the main, the time period is during blah, this giant school fire of the something place time. <laughs> yeah, show notes is what that'll be. Uh, so, to me, the actual the the specific time period didn't really matter. It didn't really stick in my brain as much as like the fact that it was so historical and such a beautiful story. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I know. I think what maybe I read like? historical fiction for different reasons. Well, you know, everybody reads a different book. That's true. Even when they're reading the same book, that's and true. you never read the same book twice. So many so many pearls of wisdom. Dropping, dropping right and left here. <laughs> yep. Uh, Pick them up, people, because <laughs> limited time only. <laughs> so, uh, all right. On that note, <laughs> I think we've wrapped. I think I think we've wrapped historical fiction. I mean, we could talk about historical fiction for forever, but a long yeah. time because it's a very big thing. What did you say? It was cows been milked or something like that? That cows been milked. There, this that the historical. Is that even a saying, or did I? It's got to be. It's got to be. That's kind it's of. It's in your wind house and your wheel mill. <laughs> It really is. <laughs> oh, Lord. Let's move along. Okay. What okay. have you been up to? Um, well, uh, I, I lost my workout partner, which mm, is a so bummer. Sorry. And so, um, but, you know, we just couldn't make it work. Like, mm. and, but the nice thing, the thing about a workout partner is that you need to, you're supposed to get each other going. And we just, like, became two ships passing. And mm-hmm. so, um, so if anybody needs a workout partner out there, I'm on the market. Just FYI. But also, um, but I might just try to restart myself solo. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a couple of weeks, and it's hard to get restarted, but I mm-hmm. need to do it fast. So um, I'd like to uh, – I was lifting weights. I might continue to do that. Or I might also like to do some – start doing some yoga and meditation, mm-hmm. either in conjunction or on opposite days. Because um, when I do do that, I always feel good. But I just, you know, I mean – You also like, like, the – did you do P90X or something like that? Oh, did you do no, something no, like was, that? Oh, no, no, it was T25. I am so With sorry. Different T. letter. Different letter. Trust and believe. Sean T's going to get you in shape. See, you like that. I do love that. And it's, but it's really hard. Yeah. Um, but then I always like, man, my emotional state when I work out is so good. Oh. When I do that, because it's, you are just burning like cortisol left and right you yeah. know like all of your stress is burned out of your body so no idea what see, words you're saying i know but the thing is i mean i just don't i don't understand why it's so like i could sit here and tell you for an hour about how good it is for I me know, right, to do exactly. this like yeah. how it makes this impact on me emotionally and i feel like more but you're like awake. do you want to do it right um, now no yeah, i'm tired but but, right. see, but then okay, see, yeah. see my next note which is you know um paradoxically I've eaten more Lucky Charms in the last week than I have in the last five years. It's a solid cereal. I really like Lucky Charms just, also. Just putting that out there. Don't know what it's about. Do you um, have any specific marshmallows that you really All the marshmallows. All the marshmallows. Mm-hmm. See, this is why. Oh, but you don't like marshmallows. I like crunchy marshmallows. Uh-huh, right. And I like toasted marshmallows. But not Peeps or straight no. out of, like, giant marshmallows in no. a bag from Aldi like That's, I like. Okay. No, shut your mouth on about all that. So I, you know, I just, um, my husband and I, have, I 
think this is probably why our marriage has lasted uh, as long as it has is huh? because he likes the not marshmallow parts. What the heck? And I like the marshmallow parts. I know. I mean, that's a beautiful uh, relationship. But beautiful who? symbiotic. Did you look at him and say, what the heck? Why do you no. just want weird dry I looked cereal? at him and I said, you give get me all the marshmallows. <laughs> Yeah. Good. Someone will eat the rest of this crap. Yeah. What cereal part? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's what I've been up to. I'm, you know, just trying to take care of myself and simultaneously <laughs> drive myself to an early diabetic right. grave. Yeah. Well, same week. On a similar note, mm-hmm. just the other day, out of out of, I think I was walking the ice cream aisle at Checkers, um, and I was just buying like a what's not a pint, like a bigger container. You a know, gallon? Like a, like half a, gallon? Not a gallon. A half Hobbies gallon. Of, uh, whatever. It was, you know, yeah, like the cardboardy sort yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, a one-person serving, you know. Like a, <laughs> a grown woman's <laughs> container of ice cream. Um, and it was not very good. Uh, I went for this ambitious flavor that was like espresso. Like it was like coffee ice cream with espresso chunks and caramel and, you know, world peace and it's also blah, blah, blah. You know, like, yeah. And sea salt and yeah and like asparagus or whatever and uh, it was yeah it was uh it was very good and i felt i mean i'm gonna eat it i'm gonna eat the entire thing you know i because why would you waste not want not yeah exactly you can read one of those historical novels about the great depression and find out why you're gonna eat that exactly (laughs) yes i will eat these chunks uh but it did make me realize that i uh, somehow this whole summer has passed by and i think i've only been to silas and maddie's to get ice cream one time. And, and that was maybe even not technically in summer. I think that was in like May. And I'm very sad for myself all of a sudden. Sad for you too. Why haven't I gone out to get ice cream? You? I don't know. I don't what know. What is wrong with you? What's been missing? I well, don't know. Ice cream's been missing. But dairy, I mean, what? Yeah. Frozen dairy products. Well, no. That, I mean, I've eaten a lot of it, but just out of my own freezer. Not, okay. I haven't gone no. and had it in a cone, you well, know, with the scoops. The weather is turning beautiful. It is. It's getting that time. It's getting the time. And it's not so hot that you can't stroll down yes, Mass Street. That's true. With a, your big waffle cone, cone from Silas and Maddie's, yeah. and it won't be completely melted all over your hand. True. I think I like the non-waffle cone. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> <I> <laughs> the, think... weird, the weird, um, what's it, just a sugar cone? You knew What? You know, like not a waffle. Okay. But so there's waffle cones. Yeah. There are sugar cones. Sugar cones. And then there are the styrofoam cones <laughs> that, like that, that taste are, like styrofoam. Oh, I think I like the styrofoam cones. Like the ones that you yeah. could get. You could get a sleeve of them at the grocery yeah. store if you wanted to. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And they're the little like. Yeah. And they kind of start getting. Yeah, exactly. They start not getting. Not the pointy ones. Right. Not a sugar gesturing, cone. but you can't see it. Yeah, exactly. Like doot, doot, doot cones. Well, I that, like those. I, you know, there's, there's this get element of, of nostalgia mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Nostalgia. Nostalgic ice cream. Um, yeah. There's an element. And but, that's the element I want. I like that very last, the very last bite where it's like this little. Um, not going to say I won't eat that. Sort of sugary styrofoam little disc with ice cream that's kind of melted into the little divots. And then you just. I know. Let's go get some ice cream. You know, there's. Uh, I heard that there's a Lucky Charm. <laughs> I heard there's Lucky Charm shake at some at some national fast food chain right if now. If you want to be friends to befriend us, please deliver ice cream and um, a giant. And a giant you can bag buy of just the marshmallows. Just but FYI, if you go on is Amazon, is it kind of like though? Like if you always experience happy days, you don't ever, you don't, you don't really appreciate no, them. You have to it's experience all good the, all the time. The, marshmallows never you, stop. You have to experience the the crappy cereal to be able to appreciate the marshmallows. That's what I tell my kids. <laughs> exactly, but that's not what I do. <laughs> no, just give me a bag of marshmallows. Just give me the bag of marshmallows. I'm here for the I'm here yeah. for the business. Exactly. Let's not mess around. Oh heavens. Okay. Um, so that, right. that's, what, that's what we've been up to, but they've got a couple of things happening at, at the library. Uh, like Polly said, that um, our podcast will hopefully be every two weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, please remember to leave feedback uh, if you're like 
go back to once a month. Oh, you know, we'll, <laughs> I will hear you. Wow. Um, and we'll see what happens. But, uh, but yeah, leave, let us know if you're listening so that we know uh, what we're doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right or wrong, more yeah. marshmallows. And it helps other people find bookish podcasts. Mm-hmm. Really, you're doing good to the world. You are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to say is last time I alluded to the fact that we we're having a special guest at the Band Book Trading Card Reveal, um, and that guest presenter will be Zora Neale Hurston. What? what? How is that possible? Nice. Well, she's being performed by uh, Dr. Carmeletta Williams, um, who is a retired professor of English and African American Studies. Uh, Dr. Williams has actually won an Emmy for her previous performances as Zora Neale Hurston. Wow. So this is going to be legit here yeah um and she's also a part of the upcoming langston hughes documentary i too sing america so she is a happening lady and um an extremely talented and we're very lucky to have her here um on friday september 22nd at 5 p.m in the auditorium she will be um in her zora finest and it'll be it'll be really cool yeah how often do you get to get an emmy award-winning performer uh, revealing band book cards. So it's like a whole lot of awesome. I'm pretty sure that has not it's never happened, happened Guinness here. Book of World. Okay, maybe or else. anywhere. Yeah, nope, nowhere else. It's never happened anywhere. Never happened anywhere. This is it. Folks, do not sleep on this. No. Be here. Sept 22. It's a fry. Oh, Eve. Five. At five. Prime Meridian. Yes. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, one other thing I wanted to give a shout out to is Ian um, in the info services department uh, at the library. He has a doc discussions uh, club that's been recently started. Um, it's on the third Saturday of each month. Um, on Saturday, the 16th of September, um, which may or may not be happening when you hear this, Uh <laughs> To be Takai is going to be playing. Takai. Takai. To be that man is going to be playing. Um, it's at 3.30 in the auditorium, and then at 5 o'clock, there's the actual discussion. So you get yeah. to watch it. So you can watch it at home by yourself if you want to on Canopy, uh, Canopy mm-hmm. which you have access to through the Lawrence Public Library. Mm-hmm. Um, or your library mate, perhaps, if you're listening elsewhere. Um, or you can come here yeah. and watch. Or you could do both. Do both. Just watch it ten times. You can do both. Come. You can watch it a lot. Act it out. So with yeah. Them. So documentary discussion. I love documentaries. That's, that's a good. that's a great new program we're yeah. doing. Good job. So way Ian. to go, Ian. Yeah. Um, well, that I think is it yeah. for this uh, non she said she said episode. Well, she said she well, said she, a we, lot. She said a lot of things. Yeah, she and she but. also. There's a lot of words. <laughs> we'll come up with this. We'll come up with catchy. Submit a, tit- a, a a segment uh, suggestion in your fabulous not. review of. Shut it. Yeah, shut it. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. That's Happy it. reading. Happy reading. <laughs> That's it for this edition of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books or events mentioned in this episode, visit our website, lplks.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe. Please rate or comment. It helps others find the podcast. Our Book Squad librarians are Polly Kim and Kate Grimm. Our theme music is by